sleep away Thinking that we're just too far gone But I want you to know There's still a hope for you now No matter what you've done You can't erase this love Nothing can change it You're not separated No matter what There's never been a better time To get honest It's never been a better time To get clean So come as you are Run to the cross And be free As Dad mentioned earlier, um, this past week, um, they've put in a stay-at-home order in Cedric County, as you probably know. Um, and I work in Cedric County. Um, and my place of employment shut down. And we found out um, that we weren't going to have jobs for at least the last 30 days um, while we were still at work. So that was weird. Um, so that means 
being out of the house for 40 plus hours a week um, and going anywhere at all is not a thing anymore. Um, so we aren't able to see our family, um, maybe our friends, our coworkers that we see every day um, and our church family. Um, so I've been watching my brother Trent and um, he loves to listen to music on my phone in my car through the speakers. Um, and normally when he leaves, I change the music to whatever I wanna listen to. But um, a few days ago, I dropped him off and I left the music playing and the song Starry Night by Chris August came on. Um, and the lyrics, the lyrics say, they talk about the autumn leaves and the tall trees and the birds, just everything that God created. Um, and the chorus, um, the chorus says, he is God of all, he is everything. I've given my life to the only one who makes the moon reflect the sun. Every starry night, that was his design. I've given my life to the only one who was and is and yet to come. Let the praises ring because he is everything. And when I was listening, I, my mom's looking at me, it's making me cry. Um, as I was listening, I raised my hand, just one of them for safety, um, in my car and I kept my eyes open even though I wanted to close them. Um, and I just let the words sink in of what he was saying. Just in the midst of all of this craziness that's going on in the world, that God is still with us and he is still our rock and our salvation. And he is the reason um, that we're here and that we have hope. God is a God that does not waver and he does not move when our world seems to be out of control and he is strong and mighty. He is our rock in the midst of everything and he is what we can hold on to. In um, 2 Samuel verse two and three, it says, my Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. This is just one of the many promises that God gives us daily. It's something that we can hold on to. It's him. And another one of his promises was that he would bring his son here and live a perfect life and die for all of us. And that also is something we can hold on to and that's our hope. Our hope is in him and not what's going on in the world around us. Um, so, during our time of communion, if you have bread and juice and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then feel free to take that um, now during our next song. Um, and I'll close us with prayer. God, we come to you in this crazy, uncertain, and sometimes scary time. People in this world have lost many things in the midst of this. And above all else, we need you. We need you even when we don't realize it. God, help us to realize it. Help us to reach out and finally open the door to your constant knock. 
you want us more than anything. And help us to take that step and learn to rely on you and your promises. Amen.
welcome again to uh, to Real Life, and um, you're watching on Facebook, which apparently is the only place you can watch now, because once again, the uh, live platform crashed this morning, so that's not working again, and let me tell you that that upsets me uh, way more than it upsets you, so we're still working on that, trying to get the uh, bugs worked out. Um, it is not on our end, so something we have no control over, and so that's frustrating. We'll be looking at what options we have um, this next week. Uh, the, the, the challenge that we have is all of a sudden, uh, if we want to do live stream well, uh, it takes money. And uh, so trying to figure out what the best option for that is. Uh, so anyway, thank you for joining us on Facebook um, and for commenting and telling us where you're watching from and uh, all that kind of stuff. We'd love it if you would uh, take a picture of where you're watching, maybe a selfie or take a picture of your family, maybe around the TV or the computer screen or wherever you're watching and share that on the uh, Facebook stream. Um, and if you don't want to watch on Facebook, I just uh, shared the live feed to several pages, our uh, Real Life Live page and Church Online page uh, on the website at reallifecc.us. You don't have chat there, um, but, uh, but you can watch it there, a little different uh, setting than Facebook. So I um, encourage you to do that. Again, thanks for uh, sticking with us through those technical uh, difficulties and, and, and challenges. And here's what, what bothers me most about that. Uh, for the last couple Saturdays, we've been running some ads on Facebook and encouraging people to go to our live stream feed at live.reallifecc.us. And uh, we don't know who maybe had saw that ad and was looking for some encouragement. Maybe they aren't believers and they've gone to that page and it hasn't been active. Um, that's difficult for me uh, because I want as many people as possible to find real life in Jesus. And, um, and so that's a struggle. So just want you to know that we're working on that. We want every person possible to find real life, uh, real life in Jesus. And so we'll keep working on that. Uh, it's time now for uh, the uh, time of giving in our service. While our first reaction often in times of difficulty and struggle is to pull back from giving, I want to share with you at least two reasons to think twice about doing that. First, we know that giving to God is directly tied to trust in God. And it's not that if you give more, you must trust God more. Um, that's really not it at all. But giving, especially when your personal need may be great, helps you rely more on God. In fact, when Jesus pointed out all of the people who are going into the temple and putting large amounts of money into the offering plate, he only pointed out the woman who put in the very smallest amount. And the reason he pointed her out was because he said she put in everything that she had. And because of that, her trust in God had to increase greatly. If you have less, you need God more. And it's actually a pretty simple concept. Yet because God gets involved, the principle is pretty sound. Secondly, have you ever heard um, of the idea or the saying that we can do more together than we can separately. Each one of us may be able to give a little to those around us, maybe friends or neighbors or family, but when we bring our gifts to God collectively and he gets involved in the math, there's a larger pool to draw from. 
real life is financially sound right now. That could change, you know, as this um, maybe goes on, as we try to meet needs, as we try to improve the stability of our, uh, of our online um, presence and our live feed um, and our ability to minister to people online and to meet those needs. We're investing in our online church infrastructure, things that will improve not only our ability to minister, but putting out the best uh, platform, the best situation that we can for viewing online. And really, here's the deal. Online church is simple. You have to stop the scroll. And there are two parts to that. There's interest and engagement. We want what people to see, what people see as they scroll uh, on Facebook or they go to the website. Um, we want them to see something that interests them. And then as they listen for a minute, we want that to be spiritually engaging as well. And so we're working toward both of those objectives at the same time. Meet needs where they are and improve our online service so that more people might find real life in Jesus. Look, this um, feed, whether on Facebook or other ways, is available all over the world, not just here at home. And we all of a sudden have a global connection in the midst of a global crisis. And I think God created us for this. So as you're led by God's spirit today to give, we trust that you'll do that and that you will trust yourself that God will see you and all of us through so that what we end up with will be greater than what we started with. Elijah did it with the widow, the oil and flour. Jesus did it with the fish and bread. And the Holy Spirit will do it with hearts and minds. And so I hope that you'll choose to give today. If you're watching online um, on Facebook, you can jump over to reallifecc.us. In the bottom right-hand corner of every page on our website is a little orange icon, looks like a little person. If you click on that, you'll be, uh, it'll open up a secure giving site um, right there on our page, and uh, you can give that way. It's pretty simple. If you already give or have given that way before, make sure that you're signed in. Just look at the top right-hand corner. If it says sign in, you need to do that. If it has a little person icon, you're already signed in, and all your information is saved. You can get through that really quickly. It does take a short amount of time and you can give through debit or credit card or you can give through your bank account and it won't charge you or us anything and so that is uh, certainly a great option as well it only takes a few minutes to set that up if you've got that information right with you uh, at hand and guess what you're at home so you probably have that information close by we'd love to have you do that and partner with us so that we can have a, a greater pool to help more people so let's pray and uh, and then if God leads you 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 give Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and providing for us. And thank you for giving us this little taste of what it's like to be in partnership, not only with you financially, but with each other. When we partner together through giving, what happens is that our ability to meet needs is greatly increased because we're all putting in what you've led us to. And, and we can be cheerful about that because we know that what we're giving is helping people find real life in your son Jesus and that's what we want to do and so God I pray that you would meet the needs of the folks who are watching uh, at home and their jobs their situations I know many of them are worried I pray that their trust in you would grow and I pray that you would meet our needs as well so that we can continue to minister we can continue to meet needs and more and more people around the world will find real life in your son Jesus and look more like him every day thanks God for loving us and for all you do in Jesus name
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. I think that creative power is best seen when God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the creatures of the earth. From the very beginning, the importance of partnership can be seen. The Word was with God cooperated with God in creation, and all three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, were together in creation, each doing their part. You can see that in Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1. Now, that purposeful partnership we see in heaven at creation was then passed on to humanity as we were given the task of ruling or caring for God's creation together. We're not just one nation under God, like we learned last week. We're one humanity under God. And challenges like the coronavirus prove that we're better together. We really are better together. And we're better when we're honest with each other instead of being hostile toward one another. We're better when we're helpful to each other instead of hoarding, for example. We're better when we work hard for each other instead of being hidden from one another. A few weeks ago, our uh, drummer, Kevin, hurt his back, and he's been kind of out of commission for the last several weeks. And so a few days ago, he uh, shared that he was looking for somebody who might be able to come over and change the oil in his truck. Uh, He had all the stuff to do that, just a little difficult for him to get on the ground and crawl around under his truck in his uh, condition. And so because of that uh, post we shared online, Dave and his sons, Dave who happens to have some time off right now, grabbed his sons and they went out and changed Kevin's oil, I think on Friday morning. Now, there were several of you online who said that you would go and help, but, uh, but Kevin chose Dave. And I don't know if um, he chose Dave because Dave was first. I don't know if he chose Dave because maybe he likes him best. Or he was changing the oil, so I don't, maybe he likes him least. I, I don't know. But over the last few weeks, we've seen firsthand what happens when people partner with each other instead of fighting with each other. Doctors, nurses, and uh, those on hospital staff in the hardest hit areas are working together to get the job done. And we haven't seen a lot of that in uh, Kansas where, where we're at, but we've seen what it looks like in other places of the country. Maybe you've seen in a social media stream some of the images that uh, uh, have come out of uh, hospitals and nurses and, and doctors and people that are just exhausted. I'm going to pull this up some more. There we go. Um, politicians, even, if you can imagine that, are working together to make sure that everyone has what they need to fight this virus as best as possible. And what we see over and over again is that when people partner together for a common, common purpose, so much more is accomplished. Um, let's say it this way. God created you with purpose and for partnership so that you could realize your full potential. God created you with purpose and for partnership so that you could realize your full potential. Now, that's a mouthful, so I want to break it down to a little more bite-sized chunk in this bottom line. Let's uh, remember this one. It's advisable to be indivisible. 
And we see that clearly in the verses I already mentioned, John 1, 1 to 3, and Genesis 1, 26. We'll also see it in our main text for today, Ephesians 2, 10. And if you're, um, well, I, I had this whole big thing about watching it live.reallifecc.us, but that doesn't matter anymore because you can't go there. So here's the deal. If you are watching on Facebook on your mobile device or on a computer or, or whatever, um, if you jump over to reallifecc.us, you can uh, scroll down to the bottom there, uh, click on my message notes, and all the message notes are there with the Bible verses and all that kind of stuff, um, or just follow along here on the screen. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 today, and here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God's plan has always been purposeful partnerships. God's plan has always been purposeful partnerships. It was expressed by John in the account of Jesus in John 1. It was visible in creation in Genesis 1, and it's clear here in Ephesians 2. God doesn't do anything on accident. Everything he does is purposeful. And that's why, for a person of faith, there is no such thing as a coincidence. Coincidentally, what you might recognize as a coincidence is actually explained in Ephesians. He says that you have to be prepared in advance to do good works. Now, if God prepares actions in advance for us to do, he must have an incredible grasp of the universe and the timing of everything. Wrap your mind around this if you can. Sometimes in my life, things happen because I make stupid decisions. I probably need to rephrase that. Often in my life, things happen because I make stupid decisions. But God knew I was going to make that decision long before I was born. And because he knew that I was going to do that, he prepares the situation so that even though it might be a stupid decision on my part, he is able to redeem it for his glory and my good. So what ends up happening is that as a believer, there's a partnership that's formed between God and us through his Holy Spirit. Now, I have free will to do whatever it is that I want, but God knows what I'm going to do before I do it. And so he arranges the circumstances of my life for my good. Now, that sometimes means discipline, right? But it's ultimately for my good and ultimately for his glory. So God is purposeful in our daily lives to bring about our good, which again might be discipline, right? Because God wants to keep us on the right track. Um, by the way, if you're on Facebook, you might want to, uh, at some point when the service is over, go check out my daily digital Devo for uh, Saturday morning. And we talk about this uh, in Amos chapter 6, how God disciplines people to bring them back in line to avoid the problems and struggles that they might have. And ultimately, this good that God brings about in our lives and this, sometimes this discipline, ultimately those things result in his glory. But it's not just God working in our lives on purpose. We were created for purpose as well. Ephesians 2 starts out, we are God's handiwork. We're God's 
handiwork. Now that doesn't sound like an, an afterthought or something that was slapped together at the spur of the moment. Handiwork gives the idea that God created us with purpose and, and on purpose. He knew what he was doing. Genesis 1.26 that says that we were created in the image and in the likeness of God. That doesn't sound like it was a mistake or just thrown together either. And in John 1.3, it states that through Jesus, all things were made by him. Nothing was made that has been made. You and I were made. We were created. And Jesus was directly involved in that process on purpose. But God wasn't just purposeful in creation. He, doesn't just, uh, he, he isn't just purposeful in the daily events of our lives. He created us with purpose. So I want to jump back to Ephesians 2, where he says that we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. At creation, God already knew the good works he would put in our paths. And he planned our lives so that those good works would be accomplished. God prepared those good works, he says, in advance. Long before we knew what was going on, long before we were ready, God knew what was going to happen, and he prepared those good works in advance for us to do. I don't know about you, but that sounds like purpose to me. Every good thing that has ever been accomplished on this earth was prepared by God in advance of when it was needed and before the person through whom it came was even born. Every time you hear the words, right place, right time, I want you to hear, like um, you hear that phrase, and I want you to change it around in your mind. Somebody says, well, I was just in the right place at the right time. Here's how I want you to receive that. God prepared a good work in advance. That's really what that means. Nobody's just at the right place at the right time, but God sets those things up so we have the opportunity to live our lives on purpose. Let me give you an extreme example of this um, purpose principle. Rob Dunn, PhD and author of The Man Who Touched His Own Heart, wrote this. Um, now, let me prepare you. You got kids in the room. They're going to laugh at this because this is a little uh, gross. He says, a lot of foods we eat have interesting origins. But by the way, uh, I better say this ahead of time. My cousin the other day posted that she made some sourdough bread out in California. Um, I hope you're not watching because this may turn you off sourdough bread. So Rob Dunn says this, a lot of foods we eat have interesting origins. For example, the bacteria responsible for sourdough bread originally came from rodent feces. Yum. Any sourdough you eat has that history, though it's all perfectly safe and delicious. See, even gross things have purpose. Hardship and life challenges have purpose. But even from the most difficult of situations, God can produce something great and useful in our lives. And not just for our benefit or our lives, but also for the lives of others. See, your life has purpose. And that purpose is most clearly seen when you're in partnership with others. God not only created or prepared good works in advance for us to do, he prepared them for us, plural. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. God said to the Word and the Holy Spirit, his partners in creation, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. See, creation was a partnership. 
Now, catch this. It was not a partnership of power. As though um, one of these individuals here, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, as though one of them couldn't do it on their own. Each one of them had the power to create the universe in and of themselves. But that would not have carried the weight of willing partnership. Remember, God doesn't do anything on accident. He prepares everything in advance. And so this choice on his part to be in partnership with a Father, with a Son, with a Holy Spirit, we might call it relationship, is powerful. He wanted us to see that partnership is not about power, as in having that power or wielding that power. Partnership is about people. Throughout biblical history, God has expected his people to function in partnership with one another, to care for those less fortunate. Governments existed for people. The judicial system existed for the people. Social programs existed for the people. Let me give you a few examples. Farmers were told by God not to harvest the edges of their field. So they would leave the wheat or the corn or whatever it is on the edges of their field for those who were poor or um, the strangers in their land to harvest and have some things to eat. Judges were told by God not to deny justice to the little guy. Everybody who was able was expected to help those who weren't able. But it wasn't forced. It was a partnership. Here's how it worked. As individuals obey God direct, God's directives uh, and they helped the less fortunate, the less fortunate would then thank God that these people followed the, the law of God. And then God would receive that thanks and he would bless those who gave. And so it's just this circular kind of thing. Those who had would give to those who didn't. Those people would bless God for that and thank God for that. God would then bless those who gave so that they would have more to give. It wasn't forced good, but it was a force for good. When people partner together, we're not only mirroring the example of God, but something else happens as a result. In Genesis, the partnership of the people was primarily to rule over God's creation. And the text says, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the sky and the livestock and all the things that go along the ground. That was God's uh, partnership, okay? He said, so that they, all of us, collective humanity at the time, could rule over the creatures. Now, remember uh, where they're at. They're in a garden uh, with plants and animals. This was at the very beginning. They didn't have all the things that we have. It was beautiful there, but it wasn't the Bellagio. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul doesn't talk about ruling over creatures, but the point is the same. There's a partnership implied. God prepared in advance good works for us to do. Good works that we, in fact, were created to do. This purposeful partnership is important because if you pull away from partnerships, you slow the progress. If you pull back from the partnership, you slow the collective progress. When we work together, we're always stronger than when we try to go it alone. Now, let me just um, help you understand this a little bit because this goes on in our lives and in our world, and maybe you're in that place even today. You may say, I don't need anyone. 
I'm fine, I can do it on my own. But it's not true. It's a lie we tell ourselves to try and avoid being hurt. But guess what? Getting hurt is part of growing. And avoiding your purpose and partnerships will actually cause you more pain in the long run. You may start um, you may start out saying that you're better off on your own because you didn't want to be hurt, but soon you'll begin to experience more pain. You'll blame others, and that's when that relationship begins to get dangerous. See, as you pull away from the partnerships in your life, you don't accept invitations. You ignore texts and calls. You unfollow everybody on your social media feeds. And then, eventually, you begin to blame everybody else for not involving you. See, eventually, if you begin to avoid those partnerships, people stop calling and they stop sending those requests because you're not responding anyway. And then you begin to blame those people for not involving you. Now, you won't say anything to anyone, right? Because, because you've pulled away. You're avoiding those partnerships, and so you just stew, and then you get angry. And eventually, you may try to get even with those who never even wanted you to pull away in the first place. That's why it's so important in our lives to, to continue to reach out to those people who've pulled away, even though it's difficult, even though it's hard for us to continue to reach out to help bring them back in to those partnerships. See, if Satan can get you to pull away, he doesn't just slow the progress, he starts a fire of hate and it's fueled by the pain he causes you, um, uh, caused you to create in the fir first place but it will be everyone else's fault, right? Like I pulled away, I stopped texting and calling and being engaged with other people. And there's a whole lot of reasons that Satan gives us to do that. But eventually, eventually I start blaming everybody else. So we've got to hang on to partnerships even though there's the potential for pain. Now look, partnerships are seen... Uh, throughout history, throughout biblical history, throughout our lives. And so let me just give you some examples of what we see. Throughout the Bible, we see this plan, a purposeful partnership in deity. We see a purposeful partnership in design, and we see a purposeful partnership in duty. If you look at the three texts for today, John 1, 1 to 3, Genesis 1, 26, and Ephesians 2, 10, you'll see that all of these play out. A, a purposeful partnership in deity happened in John 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 26 in the first part of that verse. The purposeful partnership in design, we see that in Ephesians 2, 10, as we were created with purpose to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And then we see a purposeful partnership in duty in Genesis 1.26, the second half of that verse, and again in Ephesians 2. Look, right now you may feel lost. You might be worried about your job, your finances, your family. You could be frustrated or, or feeling useless. But God created you for a purpose. You were not an accident. We've seen that already. You were created with a purpose. God doesn't just accidentally or haphazardly create people. You may think you're not important, 
because you're not wealthy or you're not famous or you haven't, you weren't created with the same uh, intent that somebody else was. You're not doing the same thing. You don't have the same uh, job or role or whatever, but you were created with the same intent of God and purpose as everyone else. And just maybe you were created for this point in time. Maybe you have a skill or the knowledge, or even just the antibodies in your body, or maybe you just have the time, like Dave and his boys, to be a hero to your family, to your friends, maybe even to people you don't even know. But we've got to stop focusing on what's absent from our lives, our, our job, or, or maybe some finances, or, or, or that social interaction. We've got to focus more on what God created us to accomplish through each of our lives. Consider those throughout history who stepped up at the right point in time and the right place. Each of those people was pretty much unknown before they accomplished the good work that God prepared in advance for them to do. And maybe that's your story too. Maybe that's not on an international scale. Maybe it's not on a national scale. Maybe it's not even on a neighborhood scale. But someone, to someone, you could be the one. Not just for their benefit or your ego, but for God's purpose. So this week, consider the purpose God has created you for and the partnerships God has caused you to be in. And find a way to leverage your life for God's glory and others' good. Perhaps you can um, leave rolls of toilet paper on the front porches of your neighbors' homes. Maybe you could run errands for an elderly person in your neighborhood. Maybe you could just bring your neighbor's trash bins back up to their house after the trash has been collected. Or, or maybe for you, it's just observing the stay-at-home order the governor here in Kansas issued yesterday. I don't know what God has created you for, what purpose you might have, but I want to encourage you to do something that creates a platform for partnership with the purpose of helping others see Jesus more clearly. If we're not willing to engage in purposeful partnerships during this crisis, when will we engage in those partnerships? Now, I'm not suggesting that you break the social distancing rules. I'm saying that you can partner with somebody even at a distance to accomplish some good in their lives for God's glory. I want to end with this this morning. The playwright Anton Chekhov, okay? Not the, not the uh, Star Trek guy, all right? This is the playwright Anton Chekhov had a rule in writing that if the audience sees a gun in the first scene, it has to go off in the second or the third scene. It has to be used. This rule is known as Chekhov's gun. Chekhov actually, actually said um, this, remove everything that has no relevance to the story. If you say in the first chapter there's a rifle hanging on the wall, in the second or third chapter, it absolutely must go off. If it's not going to be fired, it shouldn't be hanging there. Even today, we can watch a movie and recognize that some object or piece of information, if introduced at the beginning of the story, 
will have to come into play later. You were created with purpose. You were created on purpose and to be in partnership with others in our shared story. And so your part in this life, if your part in this life didn't matter to the story, God wouldn't have written you in. If the part that you have to play didn't matter, God wouldn't have written you in. You wouldn't be here right now. Look, it's advisable for you and for us, together with God, to be indivisible. We were created with purpose and for partnerships to accomplish more than we could on our own. And this is a great time for us to experience that. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us everything that we have. And God, help us to remember that we are in this together. And that really, that's the only way that we're going to get through this is together. If each one of us does our part, whatever that might look like, as we do that, God, we're going to be able to see you. We're going to look a little more like Jesus to those around us. God, I pray that you would just speak to each and every one of us this week, everybody who's watching this morning, and that, that, that we would look for ways to express the purpose that you've built into us since the very beginning. That we might look for those, those good works that, that God talks about, that he created in advance for us to do. And that through the partnerships in our lives, as we live our lives on purpose, more and more people would find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. God, we thank you for loving us and for being with us. We just continue to praise you and look to you for all good things because you're the one who's going to get us through this. In Jesus' name.
No. 